Worthy is the Lamb. Interesting, we sing lots of Christian songs that have got lots of language in them that are in-house. Jesus, the Lamb of God, in 21st century Australia is kind of like, what does that really mean? If you've not been in church all your life, you would have be asking, is God put on a barbecue? Um, familiarity with the Old Testament and all the sacrificial code that went with that is kind of assumed when we sing songs like that. So Jesus is being described as the ultimate, unblemished, sinless, perfect gift to place on an altar, to be sacrificed. So worthy is the lamb is expressing the fact that there is nothing else, there is no one else, there's no other way that sin can be atoned for permanently except by the blood of Jesus. And so his crucifixion, death, then being raised to life again, sending his Holy Spirit is a reality that we, we've all got to believe. It's kind of like there's a bit of momentum in the community in certain sections at the moment to cancel culture. It's kind of like, let's pretend that the history didn't happen. Or let's make sure that the new way forward is informed by the present knowledge of who we are, not on the history of where we've come from. I happen to think that that's not a healthy place to live. You and I have all got roots. You and I have got blood cells, DNA in our bodies that had no other way of being there except historically. So our history is really important and our history is really important to God and understanding what he's up to is important to God. What he's up to is calling men and women like you and me out of darkness into light. He can do that and we can come to him because of that lamb, Jesus Christ, son of God, paid the price in full. God's kind of like this untouchable, holy reality that death and life don't mix together. And we're with the walking dead without Jesus. And he calls us into life eternal with him through faith in his son, Jesus. Starting to preach with an altar call. Didn't expect to do that, but just want to make sure we understand what we're singing about. Worthy is the lamb. Let me pray before you sit down. Father God, pray for every one of us this morning, Lord. We have a renewed or maybe a brand new and fresh sense of awe and understanding about what it is you did, what you do. You're in the business today, July 2020, when the world is in a strange place. You're still calling people out of darkness into light. You're still inviting people to surrender their lives to you to find out that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, to find out that you're the one who calls us into great things. You've got a purpose for our lives. And I pray right now today, Lord, that this next 20 minutes or so will be an opportunity for you to sow the life of heaven, the eternity of heaven, the purpose of heaven into our lives.
Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated. I just want to reiterate um, Anna's welcome to you. Uh, church family, it's great. We've got some new faces with us this morning, and you just are so welcome to be part of our crew here. We love to see people visit our church, and we love to see people not only visit, but then decide, hey, they're okay there, there's guys. We want to become part of that family, and our door is very wide open to including people in the journey through life together. I want to talk to you this morning about um, families, as it turns out, and about fatherhood and God's fathering. And uh, fathering's a, um, an interesting topic to talk about in 21st century because it gets swept up in some hang-ups about gender and stuff and this is so not what this message is about so um, bear with me I'll, I'll get to that in a moment just want to um, spend another couple of moments before I preach though if you're listening online today I want you to get ready to do this I've got an app on my little trusty Fitbit watch um, that's called relax and uh, when I found relax and it coached me how to just do some controlled breathing to relax. Well, that's good. But on reflection, I realized how bad it was, how uptight I was. Even standing here right now, I, if I stop and think about it, I go, yeah, the back of my neck, down, down to about here, is pretty tense. It's like, and I realized that I can do something physical to relax. And so it's got this little screen thing that comes up and says just follow the circle and the more sparkles it's got on the screen, the better you're doing. And so you just... For about two minutes. And it's amazing how much of a difference it makes to me physically feeling relaxed. And it got me thinking about us spiritually. Are you spiritually uptight? Tense. Your spirit's just not. It's kind of like the back of my neck. It's just, I'm not even conscious of it until I get a headache, which I get oftentimes because I get tense. I just, um, inherited trait. Uh, there it is, that historical thing. Um, those of you who see me getting in and out of car realize I have inherited a propensity for very stiff back. For example, touching my toes, that's it. Anything beyond that, and I'm in super pain down here. I'm just highly strung. Does anybody think that that was pretty pathetic? Just give me a little wave. You know, so it's like, man, you need, to, you need to chill out, mate. Let's try it this way around, see if any better this side. It's like, it's not because I've got tighter jeans on either. It's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, that's it. What are you laughing at? Huh? Oh, I was hoping it might help. You know, it's a left-hand touch and a right-hand touching the toes. Didn't make any difference. I want to ask this question seriously. How do you spiritually relax? So I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. If you've got your notebook out or your telephone in your hand, put it down and get it out of your physical touch. Just declutter yourself for a minute. Maybe just place your hands on your lap like you're expecting someone to put something in your lap that's good for you.
breath of life, Spirit of God, rest on us. Maybe become aware of your breathing. Take control of it for a moment. You just do it naturally without thinking. Breathe in the presence of God with every breath that you fill your lungs with air with. Come Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Come Spirit of peace. Thank you Lord. We've seen a song in church called The Atmosphere is Changing. Sends all understanding is going to just settle on. Work its way into. He's going to work his way in and around your world. Maybe you've got a complicated circumstance. Maybe there's something you've got to attend to this coming week that you're a little concerned about. Let the words of Psalm 139 comfort you. He searched you. He knows you. He made you. He loves you. He'll be with you. He'll see you going into that situation. He can see you coming out of that situation. Father, I pray right now that we would trust you like ever before. Thank you, Lord. I just know the word relax is a word in season for someone here this morning. Someone listening online. Relax. And just like you can, in some senses, force your body to relax by taking control of your breathing. You can command a change by inviting God to move. So, Father, today, pray that we find this atmosphere just lingering as we come around the word this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. How good does that feel? Too many places where we stop and do that too often. Good idea to practice. Practice a bit of mindfulness, practice praying, practice just sitting in his presence doesn't have to always be loud. I know um, just even now, the last couple of minutes, because I was trying to guide this, I probably spoke way more than I should have. Anyway, I'll keep going. I'm running out of time. Looks like I have got something on my heart to share with you this morning. Families, how awesome are they? Right? How complicated are they? Oh man, it's complicated. Families, 
Uh, some of you know that Julie and I were supposed to be in, go to the Shetland Islands in June. The coronavirus shut that down. It was the 100th anniversary of my grandparents' wedding in Lewick, the capital of Shetland. And a whole bunch of our, us cousins, uh, as in my cousins, had decided we'd all fly into Lewick and spend some time there. And uh, we were looking forward to it all year, and then, of course, it all went to custard. So we had a Zoom meeting in Shetland instead, except it wasn't. Everybody was at home. But I was reflecting on my family. Every one of my cousins, I'm 62, every one of my cousins is still alive. About 44 of us, I think they are, all together. I have to do a head count again. It sounds too many, maybe 40. Anyway, there's a lot of us. And I thought about what a blessing that is. I thought about my grandparents, who we were going to celebrate and their history of being faithful to God. I just wondered, not, not to in any way, shape or form, pass judgment on anybody whose family is filled with chapters that are pretty disturbing. And every one of those families has had those, I'm not saying they haven't been without problems. But I, I just thought it was remarkable that in this time and space, um, we're still here. God's goodness talks about blessing families for a thousand generations for those that love him. There is blessing, provision, stuff that happens in his family, as in God's family. When we become Christ followers, we are adopted into that family. It's a great family. It's a family where we are loved. Say loved. We're loved by God, not because he has to. God can't do anything else but love you and me because he describes himself in his word as God is love. And this morning I want to say to you equally, God is Father. I read a number of commentaries preparing this message and one of the things that we need to get our head around because for some people, God being Father is a very challenging thought because of the propensity to compare the word Father and the intent of Father in heaven with our experience of an earthly Father. And sadly, some of us have had pretty crappy examples of that. Some of us have had complicated fathers. Some of us have had absent fathers. Some of us have had abusive fathers. I don't know what your experience of your earthly dad was, but I can tell you that Whatever that was, it's going to have, have an impact on how you connect with God as your Father. And it's one of the many things that the blood of Jesus can heal us from and cleanse us from and set us free from. So it's not a problem as far as God is concerned. But it's a journey that some of us have got to go on. And I would encourage you to trust that God is a good God and God the Father is the best Father. One of the things that, that I read that was helpful was to su suggest this idea that, that God is not father because he has a son. Every father in this room is only a father because he's got children, right? That's the definite, like a father is someone. The Bible doesn't actually indicate that. This is one of the conundrums of the doctrine of the Trinity 
covering a lot of ground this morning, I tell you. But it's like God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Back in the fourth century, there was a massive controversy amongst theologians and the early church fathers called the Arian Controversy. At that point in time, those church leaders were trying to work out whether Jesus was um, actually created by God like we were. And so he's the son and makes God the father. And the church had a massive literal squabble for decades through that fourth century and eventually, eventually landed in the spot that Arianism was a heresy and that God the father and Jesus the son had always co-equally existed. Jesus wasn't a created being. And so the theological view that we have today that you'd call as orthodox, which is like mainstream, Trinity, Trinitarian theology, is that God is the Father, always has been. And Jesus is the Son and always has been. But God's not the Father because Jesus is the Son. He's just the Father like His love. And so his fathering is not open to being analysed from the perspective of him having children. It is that he, he can't be anything else but the father. Or in the case of what Jesus taught us in, the, in the, um, Matthew 6 with the Lord's Prayer, our father. It's a, it's a fathering dimension of God that's not dependent on us being his children. Whether we are or not his kids, he's still the father. How cool is that? Whether or not we believe in him, he's still the father. And Jesus is still the son. Um, a lot of explanation needs to be had at another time about the connection between the father and the son and Jesus on earth. And things changed a little when he came as a man on planet earth. But that Arian controversy was trying to work that out. And our knowledge is limited uh, in trying to work out things that are beyond us to understand. And so Jesus as we land in this space and have done therefore for 1600 years in the Western church, that Jesus was fully divine and fully human at the same time. I don't know about you, but I call that a conundrum. I, I can't quite get my head. I just go, okay, I'm okay with that. It's all right. Yeah, I'm good with that, God. I'm not going to argue. Anyway, let me read the Bible. Ephesians chapter three, we'll get into this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, say the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That means that its, its purpose is like God is behind every family on the planet. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the full measure of the fullness of God. Verse 20, you may recognise this one. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, amen. What I've never actually really seen clearly before reading that scripture in anticipation of today's message, probably more a case of overlooked, the significance of it is the now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. The context is within a family. We wanna pull that scripture out and use it as a promise, which it is. 
And in some respects, I go, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But in the context of where it sits in the, the narrative, the way Paul writes, that immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine is contextualized within a family. It's not just you and me having our little wish list with God in our private prayer time. He will do more than we can ask or imagine when we're in a family. When we're in church. In other words, when we're in His family. So I just want to have a bit of a question. This, this message is called, Where Did I Learn That? Is that up there? Oh, it is. Where did I learn that? And I want to ask you some questions about where you learn stuff. And then I'll show you a picture in a moment. I'll, I'll give you the cue in a sec, Josh, to put that other photo up in a tick. So as we started out this morning, where did you learn or were you ever taught to relax? Did your dad teach you how to relax? What were you brought up to believe and to do with fear? Anybody here afraid of the dark when they were a kid? Anyone afraid of animals of some description? Anyone afraid of dogs, for example? Where did you learn that? Got bitten. We had a next door neighbor when I was a kid. She was scared of chooks. I mean, honestly, who there is going to be scared of a chook? But give me a wave if you're scared of chooks. Who, who likes beady-eyed birds? You know, so yeah, sort of chooks. I'm on with you. Yeah, I don't mean yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, let me ask you about this. When you get angry, what do you do? And who taught you that? Where did I learn that? Where did you learn, and there are varying degrees in my opinion of this matter, where did you learn to be manipulative? And what do you manipulate people to do? Who taught you that? I've watched some little people who shall remain nameless that are in my life at the moment, and I've realised that little power games... Who's the strongest? Who had it first? Who, who can manipulate what to get what they want? Maybe that's something we just naturally do in our brokenness as humans. But who corrected that? Who speaks a word of, eh, we don't do that around here? Was it your dad? Let me ask a question here. Where did you learn to forgive? forgiving people who let me say really stepped over the line what did you learn about forgiveness in your family what about holding grudges anybody here learn to hold grudges anyone live in a family where mum or dad did the silent treatment it's like oh, what did you learn from that Anybody here learn to read their Bible at home with their dad teaching them? 
who taught you to be kind? It was evidence of kindness regularly at home. I could go on and on and on because I'm absolutely convinced that we learn so much in a family, good and bad. And some of us, as I said, have got the experience of dads that you know, just didn't quite make the grade in some areas or at all. I gotta tell you, God, your Father in heaven is not like that. God, our Father in heaven is perfect. And I wanna say this to you, this scripture in Ephesians is so helpful because it talks about God the Father in the same verses as talking about love. And I wanna say to you that it's not possible for God to be the perfect Father without being the God who is love. In other words, He's not separable. He's not gonna to come to you. He's not vindictive. He's not mean. He's not misguided. He's not having a bad day. He is God the Father and His only language to you is, I love you. His only response to your brokenness is, I love you. Not I wish, I wish that Bruce Williams would get his act together. What a tosser he is. God doesn't think like that. He doesn't say, if you don't stop doing that, I'm gonna get the wooden spoon out of the drawer and give you a whack on the tail, buddy. Anyone get smacked as a kid? Just, you know, we're online. Whoa. <laughs> Maybe you learn to be selfless. I want to show you some guys that I think they learned to not be afraid of heights. Check these dudes out. Clearly not occupational work, health and safety applying there back in the 1930s or whenever that was in the United States. I want to ask those of you that are scared of heights. I'm a little bit at times now a little uncertain on heights. Didn't used to be, but I just, I don't know, getting older and falling through the roof will do that for you, I guess. But um, Who'd be comfortable sitting up there? Who's that giving me a wave? Eddie. Oh, man. Paul Sampson's got his hand up. Johnny Tamer, would you sit like that up there? Anybody prepared like I am to admit, there's not a snowball's chance and you know where that I'd be sitting like that up there. But the thing is, these guys learned somewhere to overcome the fear of falling off that thing and certain death. You've got a Father in heaven who can teach you how to conquer fear. You've got a Father in heaven who will always pick you up when you're broken down. You've got a Father in heaven who's never looking for a reason to slap you around the head and say, you idiot, doof, doof. He's always looking for a reason to come and pick you up, bind you up, heal you, set you on course. That's what this family, a church family, is mandated to do. Do we stuff it up? We sure do, because we're like every other human family full of people. But we have a Father who is determined to continue to flood His fatherhood 
and his love into his family so that we can learn to conquer our fears, so that we can learn to be incredibly forgiving, so that we can learn to be unbelievably compassionate, so that we can become the people who let things go. We don't hold grudges. We don't get stuck into people's faces. We don't get ticked off. Um, and we do get ticked off, but when we do, we know where to go with it. It's like, cast your cares on him, me. It's like, there's so many promises in the Bible. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Like, but sometimes we keep leaping, limping through life. Oh, like being a martyr, maybe you learn to be a martyr. I was sitting watching a television program the night and said to Julie, I'm feeling guilty for sitting down doing nothing. And I was thinking about this message. I think, where did I learn that? Anyone else? You don't put your hand up for this one. Do you feel guilty when you're doing absolutely nothing? I should be doing something. Where did you learn that? God himself invented rest. He doesn't need it, but he invented it. You can find a lot of information, doing a lot of research, credible research about what happens to people when the fathering side of life is stuffed around. Found an article written by the Minnesota Psychological Association online, 10 things that absence of fathers does. This is peer reviewed material. Um, not always popularly received in some quarters these days and again I want to emphasize it's so not meant to be a opportunity to be sexist at all and it's not the point of the information it's a bit like this yesterday I was putting a retaining wall sleeper in my place they weigh 135 kilos I got a little tractor in a few weeks ago to lift a few of them because they're heavy suckers I decided I wouldn't have that yesterday I've got a sack truck so moi with a sack truck moved to 135 kilo sleepers by myself. And I'm thinking, what an idiot. <laughs> it was hard work. <clears throat> now, they're a little bit heavy even. My point is this. There's some things that you can do by yourself. But parenting isn't one of them. Now, I want to be very careful to say this. This is not in any way, shape, or form a slide on a single parent at all. But the old saying, it takes a village to raise a child, applies. We all need help. I needed help lifting those sleepers because they're heavy. Parents who are single parents doing a phenomenal job, they need help, not because they're incompetent, but because the job is so heavy. And so again, as a church, I say, we got to get alongside and make sure we help single parent families. People who are doing a lot of the heavy lifting by themselves need help. And so this stuff is not meant to be in any way, shape or form a criticism of where your lot in life might be. But listen to some of these things. I'm saying this because God can heal these things. Just list the 10. These are 10 things that result, may result from the absence of a father in a child's life. Perceived abandonment, number one. Attachment issues, number two. Child abuse, number three. Childhood obesity, number four. Criminal justice involvement, number five. 
Gang involvement, number six. Mental health issues, number seven. Poor school attendance, number eight. Poverty and homelessness, number nine. Substance abuse, number 10. There's something that goes horribly wrong when we have an absence of the full spectrum of help that a young person needs to be brought up. So I want us to be as mindful of that and as helpful as that and supportive of that. We all know people who, for all sorts of reasons, end up bringing up their children by themselves. So not a place to go into judgment. It's a place to go into action, support, to help, to encourage. What can we do to help? Is there anything we can do to help? Give people a respite. A single mum or a single dad might appreciate you. Oh, we'll take those kids for the weekend or a night or two. It's like it might be the hardest weekend you've ever done. But they need a rest, for example. That's the kind of God we've got. He loves people. Okay, I've run out of time. Well and truly, I'm going to finish. I've got a whole, much, whole bunch more stuff here, but that'll do. Um, Why don't we stand on our feet? I just want to encourage you this week in your quiet time. Have a bit of a think about some of the attributes of your life that you personally would acknowledge are challenging. Like if you've got an issue with, you just know you've maybe even coming through COVID, you've just got an underlying higher than normal level of angst sitting in you. Just fess up to him. God, I really am aware I've got a bit of attitude built in here. I'm getting a little bit snitchy, short, just lacking patience, whatever the deal might be. Just put it in front of God this week and let him heal you. Let him cleanse you. Let him set you free. Father, today I pray every one of us would invite you not only just now, but Lord, in through the course of this week, we come to you as our Father in heaven, who is always for us, who is always going to receive us, who is always going to lovingly correct us, set us on course. I pray for those that are broken in this arena of their life, Lord. Maybe discussion, even the way I've said it this morning, has pushed some buttons that are not comfortable. For whatever reason, I pray right now the healing balm of the Holy Spirit would just enter into those situations, maybe into those memories. Maybe they're broken and sad memories or very difficult memories. Father, I pray the peace of God that transcends all understanding. All understanding. Your understanding, your recollection, your memory of those days are not impervious to the peace of God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd enter into those situations and you bring healing you bring freedom, you bring joy. Father, I pray for my friends here this morning that we've set out into the week feeling released, feeling a burden lifted off our shoulders. We'd go out of this place, Lord, filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire, with confidence that the Lord is good and His love endures forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. While we're still standing, Everything I've talked about this morning, 
Started with an altar call, which we didn't quite finish. Put a bit of other information in the middle of my sandwich for you this morning. But we're here today. If you're listening online, we may be here today for you. This is a moment where you can decide, do I want to put my trust in my recollection of where I've come from and who I am and whose I am in a physical sense of the word? Or has it been possible that this morning, today, something I have said, something has come out of my mouth and God's enabled it to come out in such a way that you've responded and you've gone, ha-ha, God's the Father. He's my Father. He wants me to be in His family. And we can respond to that aha moment, that longing, that thing that just suddenly makes sense by publicly declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because the moment we become, technically we become a Christian, a Christ follower, and in our Pentecostal slash evangelical view of the world, every person needs to personally have that conversation with God. That's why we have altar calls like this. We say, we want you to have a conversation with God to confess your sin, to repent, to acknowledge Jesus' Lordship and to ask Him to become your Lord and your Saviour and lead you into eternity. That's a prayer we can say together today and we're gonna say a prayer like that in a moment. But if you, and if you pray that prayer, either here this morning, in person or online, and you know something changed completely on the inside as you prayed that prayer, because you prayed it in faith, I'd love you to speak to me. I'd love you to come down the front and talk to me at the end of the meeting if that's happening here in our church this morning. But if you're watching online, we've got a little link on our website that you can click on to let us know that you've prayed a prayer like this one or prayed this prayer with me to receive Christ. So everybody who's standing here this morning is gonna join me. I'm gonna ask you to pray these phrases after me. We're gonna invite Jesus to come into our lives afresh and maybe for somebody here this morning for the very first time. So here we go, let's say this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me, that you've been watching me, and you've been patiently waiting for me to turn to you. Today's the day. I put my trust in you. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I know that I am a sinner who needs to be saved. And I'm so grateful that in this prayer, I can repent from my sin and my mistakes and come into your presence to receive forgiveness. So Lord Jesus, come upon me by your spirit. Cleanse me with your blood. Set me free to serve you all of my days. In your name, I declare I am a child of God. And you, Father, are my Father in heaven. Amen. Come on, give the Lord an offering of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right.